Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumpacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's minor league podcast. I'm Steve Seiper, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos and Thomas Henderson. How are you guys doing? Good. I'm doing pretty good. We're doing better than the Met off, Mets offense currently. Yes. Yeah, not too good. Yeah, they're in a slump. I have greater concerns, but I won't be too much of a downer today. So. <laughs> I think they'll probably be fine, but yeah, there's like actual things they got to fix yeah i mean i think the early i guess i'm going to be a downer the early season offense was a lot of bullshit i think just with babip and sequencing and now they're not getting that and it's not great yeah they're gonna i think they're gonna trade for a bat so it'll be they could probably figure it out from there but yeah yeah really bring in uh bring in trey mancini please yes that would be nice all right, well, we got a lot to do this week, so we're just going to start off with the uh, minor league affiliates. And Syracuse Mets played the Buffalo Bisons. They actually had a pretty solid week. They went 5-2. and two. They won the series, and they bumped their record up to 37-47. and 47. Uh, The Durham Bulls and Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, they're both tied for first place, and Syracuse is in a distant second-to-last in half games back. But their lead over the Charlotte Knights, who is the worst team 
in the uh, division is pretty big. They have a six-game lead over the Charlotte Knights for last place. So I guess that's the only relevant race <laughs> that Syracuse is involved in, the race instead of last place. Uh, relevant, I guess, to what you guys were saying in terms of trading for a bat. Francisco Alvarez was traded, uh, excuse me, was promoted to AAA. Wait, Francisco Alvarez I was know. what now? <laughs> he was traded to Syracuse from Binghamton. Uh, yes. And, uh, you know, it's only been a couple of days, but, you know, he really hasn't gotten going or anything like that. Um, so nothing really to report in that regard, you know, what he's done in AAA. But, you know, with yeah, he's, James McCann. Look, if you're a prospect fan and you're worrying about five games of AAA stats, um, be a better prospect fan. <laughs> Yeah, he's just not he's not doing anything but whatever. It's so early. Yeah. Do we want him to get more games in AAA or do we say, you know what, this is the time, just pull the trigger, see what happens? Honestly, I've been convinced that they could call him up and if he's bad for a few weeks just send him to Syracuse. Like kind of what's the worst that could happen? You know what I mean? Like if his mm. career gets derailed by 3 weeks of being okay in the majors, then he wasn't going to make it anyway. Like, I'm I'm inclined to agree. I think we I'm not saying it's not a factor, but I think we overemphasize this idea that guys can get broken by bad major league experiences. I think more likely than not, most of those guys who have been quote unquote broken were just not gonna make it in the first place. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> Especially and 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 I'd be more concerned if he needed to come up and catch, right? Like if they had a really good DH right now. I'd like uh, I'd I'd be very worried about that, but they don't. He could just DH, and he'd probably be an upgrade over JD Davis, who I I can't I hate to say this, but like the catching defense is not as much of a concern just because of the current roster construction. And I mean, he's a better catcher than Mazika anyway. Like it's a very low bar, yes. Like, I don't understand. Course. I don't understand why it's Mazika. Like first of all, it shouldn't, shouldn't be Mazika at all. It should be like Nick Mayer or. Right. If it's not Alvarez, it should be someone who can actually catch. Mm-hmm. But of course, like that's definitely not the uh, correct decision with Mazika, but I feel like it's just going to always be the decision this year, at least. But he just has to be a better catcher than Mazika to catch once or twice, maybe three times a week. Nito can handle the rest of it and he can DH the rest of the time. And then if he's bad, then, you know, you need to trade for someone like that. But if he's good, then you could be like, hey, or even if he impresses behind the plate a little bit more than you think, then you're like, hey, we could catch him a little bit more and then we could trade for DH, you know, like evaluate your options while you have the chance. And also you're 20 games over 500 or whatever, maybe 19 now. I don't remember. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. despite the Braves being good and being right behind them, there's plenty of wiggle room in the wild card Mm -hmm. in the division to like the Braves are sending out freaking Eddie Rosario with his six weighted runs created plus and starting him every week. You know, (laughs) like you could start Alvarez to see if he's good. And look at what the Braves did with Michael Harris. Like they didn't know if he was going to be good and he's been killing it. And obviously I'm not saying it's a one for one comp, but that would be nice to get something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the window of opportunity to do something like this is... It's now. Yeah, I mean, it's getting smaller and smaller every day that passes, so... Now or never. Yeah, because, like, maybe you don't have to trade for Max Stassi because, like, Alvarez could hit and catch, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you could focus your resources at the bullpen, which desperately needs it. 
I'm still firmly in the don't trade for Wilson Contreras camp because I don't uh, buy three months of hot offense. To. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't think they're going to. That's Didn't he just get hurt? Oh yeah, he's been a little banged up this week. Yeah. Can I have 15 seconds to make my pitch for another AAA bat? Go ahead. Can we call up Travis Blankenhorn, please? Yeah, I know, for real. Travis Blankenhorn, and I can feel Thomas rolling his eyes through <laughs> the start call. Uh, look, look, Travis Blankenhorn should not preclude the Mets from trading for Trey Mancini. I'm going to say that up front. But also, Travis Blankenhorn, since the start of June, has been has hit 382, 465, 664. That's a 1128 OPS and a 197 weighted runs created plus. I mean, so, at the end of the day, they have the space to figure him out, too. Like it, it, We don't need to see more Tom Smith. Travis Blankenhorn is younger, has a better AAA track record, has more positional flexibility. It has less major league time than Dom Smith. There's a higher percent chance that Travis Blankenhorn is a good hitter than Dom Smith at this point. Sad, but true. Yeah, like, there's Dom, and there's, like, you can't really DFA and Ender and Tiarte because he's the only other outfielder with McNeil about to go on uh, paternity leave. But when he comes back, like, you can, you know what I mean? Like, just, just fucking option Dom. He's bad. Dom's bad. Like, I'm there's sorry. plenty of stuff you could do to get him a roster spot without really rocking the boat too much. But, uh, and he's went unclaimed and is off the 40, which is interesting, but I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm kind of surprised he went unclaimed. Me too. When they DFA'd him, I thought he was going to get picked up by some like bad team. It's not like he's a guy that has had an extensive track record in the major leagues of failure or anything like that. He was a top 30-level prospect, yeah. like, two years ago. Yeah. A year ago. Yeah, it's so. just, uh... It I wouldn't just, mind that. I wouldn't hate it, to be honest with you. Again, similar with Alvarez. If they're going to try something, now is the time to start trying things, because you can't try things in late August or September, you know? Got to get Dom going, though. <laughs> All right, um... Binghamton Rumble Ponies now, they played the Portland Sea Dogs, and they lost that series decisively. They went over oh, 6. Oh, that was, that was yeah. a bad time. Oof. They are 3-9 uh, and nine in the second half now, and they are 31-50 and 50 overall. Um, not good, but we knew this. One thing we don't know is what's up with Ronnie Mauricio. He hasn't played all week. I could not find any tidbits as to why he isn't playing, so something to keep an eye on, possibly. Um, obviously, though, if it was something major, it would have been reported somewhere. News would have trickled out at some point. So, Can we please standardize minor league IL news like we did in the majors? Uh, yeah, please. I wish. For fuck's sake, it's 2022. <laughs> um, Brooklyn Cyclones, they played the Aberdeen Ironbirds. They lost the series. They won two and lost four. So that drops them to seven and eight in the second half and 37 and 44 overall. And man, we could go. They were in first place and now they're not. And damn. Um, I went to the game on Friday, so I got to see Alex Ramirez and Stanley Consuegra when you know they got promoted um, early in the week. I was with my family, so they weren't really like optimal seats. Uh, definitely not the ones I would have gotten if I wanted to specifically watch players, but 
when Ramirez came to bat, something just seemed weird with his mechanics. And I'm not the best person at interpreting hitter mechanics, but he just kind of looked off balance. Like his butt looked like it was sticking out and and his hands, there was a lot of movement with his hands. And I was just like, hmm, okay. But in his first at bat, he had a triple. So I was just like, all right, whatever, that's cool. But this morning when I was logging on to Baseball America to look up some draft stuff, I saw there was a, a, an article National League East Prospect Notebook for July, and the tagline was organizational reports about five National League East uh, from our five National League East correspondents headlined by a young Mets outfielder who is rewarded after he learned to do more by swinging less. Obviously Ramirez. Mm-hmm. And there was some quotes by Hugh Quattlebaum, who is the Mets director of hitting development, about the improvements that Ramirez has made to his chase rate. Which which he improved a lot on. But he also mentioned Ramirez's hands and he said, quote, he's got some unique movements in his swing, but it's probably too early to tell if they're going to be signature movements or things that he might have to tweak over time. He's got a pretty aggressive bat tip and a lot of work to move it where he actually likes to launch from. So he does have some bigger movements. It seems to me when he quieted down, quieted some of them down which he has done at times when he's had some success, he could harness those movements and kind of be a more complete package of control, end quote. You could see that even in, like, TV angle clips. Yeah. Of him. Uh, he, he, like, does this, like, kind of, he, like, wags the back down and then back up. Yep, yep, yep. And it's not, like, obviously it's not, Thor, like, it's not going to ruin his career or anything like that, but it's interesting to see, like, there's a lot of movement there, and I can see a guy like that getting kind of uh, like once his timing is off, I can see him trying to like getting it back would be a little annoying because it's a mm-hmm. lot of extra, a little extra things, and maybe he smooths that out over time, but also maybe he needs it. Like Lucas Duda did all that shit too, and he was a good major league hitter for a while, you know. Yeah, Ramirez is 19. There's plenty of time to. Yeah, yeah. There's plenty of time to change shit around. Yep. But it does explain, like we've we've said since probably like the beginning of well not the beginning of April but like mid April I guess like why is this guy hitting so many ground balls why is this guy's launch angle so weird now it's good to be able to put two and two together to be able to see what the stats are saying and it's uh, I don't want to say that my excitement is is dampered on him but no I like his swing so I'm I fine hope, with it yeah. I like the okay. swing in general. Like it has a the swing itself is good. It's just to me that stuff is minor to the actual swing. You know. Mm-hmm. I think I align more with Steve, and I'd honestly be looking to sell high on Ramirez at the deadline. Um, again, again, I don't know what that entails trading him for, but uh, yeah. I don't know if we should sell. I mean, he's like the only outfielder. I don't really care when he's the only outfielder and he's in high A. Like, call him up now. Doesn't matter. So, um, St. Lucie Mets now. They play the Daytona Tortugas this week. They are three and one against them, and they're playing a doubleheader right now as we're recording. So they had a pretty bad skid uh, against the the Tampa Tarpons and the the Palm Beach Cardinals at the midway point between the first and second halves. But they kind of righted the ship a little bit, and they are over 500 in the second half now, for now anyway, uh, seven and six. 
obviously they clinched the the first half, so win record doesn't really matter, especially for them. But obviously you want to see winning baseball regardless. And the FCL Mets, and they are 14 and 10. So good job, FCL Mets. Real also, quick on St. Lucie, I want to yeah, say, yeah, yeah. why the hell is Keyshawn Askew still here? Yeah, I was actually about to loop back to them. Oh, perfect. The the, le- the next like two weeks or so, whatever, you know, it it kind of doesn't really matter what's going on in St. Lucie because there's going to be so much roster movement in these next two weeks. We already saw a lot of it with um, Ramirez getting promoted, and Consuegra getting promoted, and Dominic Hamill getting promoted, and some of the other college pitchers, you know, uh, in the the weeks beforehand. With the draft and, you know, all the players that they sign, some are going to get assigned to the FCL Mets. Some are going to get assigned to St. Lucie, possibly. Some of the guys that are on the FCL Mets right now are going to get bumped up. And then to make spots for those guys in St. Lucie, some of the guys that are in St. Lucie now are going to get bumped up. So there's going to be a whole lot of a whole lot of movement. But yes, agreed. Keyshawn Eskew, he's he's performed better than pretty much any of the other pitchers. That were on the St. Lucie roster. His strikeout to walk ratio is 50 to 12. He's not learning anything at this level. He's 22. Promote. Honestly, they should. This is going to sound crazy, but they should put him in the bullpen and try to fast track him. I I mean, he's been like they're like pitching him one day a week out of the bullpen, but for like four innings. But like he's a he's a side arming. Yeah. Like he's not going to be a starter in the major leagues. You know what I mean? Like I agree. like Honestly, I understand doing it with like Christian Scott and Carson Seymour, where they're like conventional pitchers, where I think those guys are going to be relievers anyway. But also you try them as starters. But when a guy is 22 and throwing sidearm from left from the left side, you just put him in the bullpen and hope that he's a uh, literally in the Mets bullpen in like a year because yep. he can be. You know, he like, should be in Binghamton really right now. He, yeah, I, I was really going to say jump him straight to Binghamton. Fuck yeah, it. I'd be fine with that. I don't. It's just very odd to me that that profile. When's the last time we've had a full sidearm starter like Joel you know what i mean hero yeah that shit doesn't happen anymore for a reason and yeah so max scherzer might be the most sidearm starter these days yeah right for real and that's just that's still three quarters easy yeah yeah chris sale but i mean obviously he's uh, a chris sale. sure 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 madison bum gardner uh well he's a he's bad now <laughs> But yeah, oh, uh, I mean, Tanner, Tanner Hook, but he's again mm, in that. Chris he's a he's a reliever now. Yep. Oh, okay. Well, they bounced back. P- point is right. Like this is a exceedingly rare. Yes. He's also kind of a reliever because of circumstances, but I think he is probably just better as a reliever and should get be vaccinated. You putts. Yeah, pretty much. Oh it, my god. He's not what a dummy. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, so that is the Mets for the, um, you know, for the past week. And now we're going to discuss possible potential future Mets because the 2022 draft is about a week away. So this week, the three of us are going to go over who we want to see the Mets draft. We have our own independent strategies, you know, guys that we like, guys we don't like, things that we like in players, whatever. Um, so all of our, all of these players, you know, were, were independently thought of by the three of us. And Ken also sent his, you know, the guys that he likes to. Um, so we'll be going over them too. But uh, before we start, I think we can all agree, though, that if any team was ever going to employ that strategy of whoever the writer was, and I apologize to whoever originally wrote it. I want to say it was Baseball Prospectus, but I don't know it if was some Jared it was Jeff Jared. I'm pretty sure. Was it okay? I didn't and, know if he actually wrote it or if he was just promoting from someone else, but. Basically, the strategy is breaking the draft by blowing past any uh, bonus pool that that are there and taking all the hits and paying the taxes and the penalties and just throwing massive amounts of money at players with signability concerns and just snapping up as much talent in in one possible swoop because the Mets are going to be good for the next couple of years. Crossing my fingers, knocking on wood. Steve Cohen seems to be committed to spending money, and now is the time to do something crazy at the draft because... This this year they're gonna have more picks and they're gonna have more favorable picks this year than they presumably will in the next couple of years. So fuck it. Yeah, I agree. Basically. Now I imagine I don't know how we we have limited insight into exactly how the owners interact with each other. I imagine there might be some um behind the scenes repercussions let's say if the Mets did something like this to this extreme but at least from the purely baseball strategy side of things they should do this mm-hmm. odds of happening extremely low one percent less zero. less than one percent <laughs> oh I yeah mean, like zero probably there's I mean we know there's collusion well I don't want to say collusion but we know that there's kind of collusion to just not even freaking pay players a tiny, tiny little bit more. And it was, you know, the Toronto Blue Jays made such big waves a couple of years ago when they decided to pay their players a little bit more. So, you know, if they all agree that minor league players shouldn't even get tiny little bonuses, then no one is going to say like, hey, you know, hmm. Steve Cohen doing something crazy. Yeah, who cares? Whatever. But... Eh, oh, well. All right. So. First round draft pick that the Mets will be getting this year is the 11th overall. It will be it comes with a assigned slot value of basically four point eight million dollars. Uh, who who wants to go first? Who is going to be the brave person? I'll do it. All right. Uh, because it's an easy one for me. If I was at 11, and I'll admit, 
I've really actually come around to the idea of Jet Williams, and I once again feel I, Thomas rolling his eyes through the. Skype I think that's call. what's going to happen. I, yeah. I like players who aren't allowed to go on roller coasters because they're too small. But yes, <laughs> let's take Jet Williams as uh, me a short. Oh God! So I well, slander him time and rank him third in the system. So to 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 make Thomas happy, I've gone with Brock Porter here. Um. Which would be the what the second time in three or four years I've gotten the first round pick right, so go me. Uh, I'm actually been employed by the Mets front office this entire time. Jokes on all of you. Um, <laughs> I don't think I need to talk too much about Brock Porter about this point. Right-handed high school pitching prospect from Michigan made a joke of the competition because a it's Michigan and b he's way too good. Uh, One interesting thing: he's 19, so we're Brett Beatty posting here. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Because he's I've, a little older than everyone else. I've moved past caring th- about that as well, particularly for these smaller uh, or the less hot Betty regions, um, because I think there are other reasons to explain why. Like if a guy's 19 and beating things up in, in I don't know, Florida or California, then I'd be a little like a little more wary. But he's in not a baseball hotbed, so I don't really care. Has arguably the second best high school changeup we've seen in the past decade behind Dylan Lesko, who was supposed to be the first prep pitcher in this draft and got hurt, uh, touches, gets close to triple digits, can get into the high 90s, but sits mid 90s, has an improving breaking ball, all the sort of stuff you want to see. Um, so I'd, I'd go Porter with the first pick here. Um, obviously, he's a, he's a commitment to Clemson. Do you think that's going to be hard to break? I would say at 11, you can probably get him without a huge overslot bonus. Yeah, say so, uh, uh, I like maybe a little bit, but I'm not expecting they had to do something crazy to get him out of the commitment at 11. I'll also say this pick. I was basically basing my pick here off of BA's latest mock in which uh, Jace Jung and uh, Gavin Cross and a couple other guys I would have preferred who you guys might talk about were not available. So that's why I went with Porter here. I mean, he's still appropriate. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, he would be. He's going to be in that area. Um, yes, yes. I don't think he's going to go in the top 10 unless someone tries to – that might even go under slot. Like, you could probably get him cheap in the top 10 well, if you want to be a little goofy. But the Royals and Rockies exist and pick in the top <laughs> 10, so who can say? Yeah, for real. Our massive wild card. Yeah, Um. I mean, and he's been connected to the Mets plenty, so mm-hmm. the odds are – looking pretty fair that he does get selected. Um, all right, Thomas, who are you picking at 11? Ooh. Um, so I've been thinking about this one. It's a hard one. Uh, it's hard because I feel like it's a weird spot almost where the board's going to be pretty open. Like I think Jet Williams is going to happen. And as much as I'm slandering it, I get why, because there's a lot of like, I, I could see why you could do that, even though it's risky, I think. But, um, I probably go Jace Jung here, uh, just because I know Ken chose him too. Just because, like, yep, very good. <laughs> Don't uh, need to explain that one now. Yep, I, 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 I I'm also taking his last pick too, so we're oh, bookending together. I do have two different middle ones, but um, Jace Jung, I think he's pretty interesting in terms of that. His defense is just non-existent, really, but there's a DH now. And I know taking a DH-only prospect, I know that's a little harsh, but taking a DH-first prospect, I would say, is a little risky. But at 11, you're not really getting a bat like that unless you take a prep guy and he hits, like, and he pops. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, I even if he plays second and he plays it at an okay level, I think he'll hit enough to be fine. And uh, if he is a DH, then you could throw him at second and third, kind of like a Nolan Gorman situation with the in the with the Cardinals, where he's not the best second baseman in the world, but he hits, so who cares? You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. That's pretty much what I'm thinking about with that, and I think he'll be there the way the mocks are kind of going. Um, and I think you don't have to do anything crazy. Obviously, he's 21, and that could be kind of a fast riser through the system um, in a system that would that could help. So yeah, yeah, I would not be I would not be sad if he was selected. I would be ecstatic about this, and if he was there. Uh, screw Porter, screw, screw Williams, screw anyone else. Well, let me let me throw out a fun hypothetical for you, uh, uh, Thomas. Mm-hmm. In the unlikely event that the Mets have their choice between Gavin Cross and Jace Young, oh, I'm taking Gavin Cross, but I don't Gavin think he's going to be there. Yeah, me neither. I think Gavin Cross is a top ten prospect in this draft, but mm-hmm. I think he's a top ten prospect in this draft, and they pick eleven. So, like, <laughs> I, I, I could see someone like being goofy and. And or a few teams being goofy, like you said, there's the Royals and the Rockies and you never fucking know what they're going to do. But Mm -hmm. um, Cross, I just think he's he could hit. And also he's an outfielder and a good one. Like he's played a solid center field in college. And even if he doesn't stick in center, you you stick him in a corner and it's fine. You know where Jung is really I don't want to play him in the field if I had my druthers. But, you know, that's a good word. You don't hear that one used too often. All right. Um, so with my first pick, I'm going with the same person that I, I started our way too early draft updates with, uh, James Madison University, Chase DeLauder. He ended up only playing 24 games and then he broke his foot. So I think that is going to depress his value a little bit. I don't think, though, that he's too much of a major stretch for 11. You know, MLB still has him at 18. Baseball America still has him at 18. 11 is a little aggressive based on how a season went, but, you know, I, I think that allows the Mets to save a little money. They can get him un, under slot and then allocate some of that money that's saved to other players that get picked later on. And he's a good player. I mean, the numbers are, you know, very solid. 437, 576, 828 in 24 games, eight homers, 10 stolen bases, and more walks than strikeouts. Obviously, you know, it's a small school you know, you're not facing the best competition, but honestly, I'm looking more at just him and his tools than the numbers. And he's athletic. He's got a good swing. His tools are basically average across the board with some above average power potential and possibly even speed. You know, he, he played well at the Cape last year. He played at the, uh, he, he got good reviews at the MLB combine that they had pre-draft. So I think that, you know, he's a solid player that will save a little bit of money. I'm all aboard on this one. Yeah, that'd be fine. Spoiler alert for what my next pick is. <laughs> yep. All right. So let's go to the second round. Uh, What was Ken? Lucas. Took? Ken took Jung, right? Ken took yeah. Jung, yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So we talked about it. Yeah. So my second pick <laughs> with the same logic, Sorry. basically, as uh, Steve, I'm going to take the lottery. Uh really like the swing like the athletic tools the performance speaks for itself with all the caveats steve mentioned but he also killed the cape which is always nice um 
I think there's been a couple of these sort of small, uh, uh, these sort of outfielders taken in recent years um, with mixed results, but there's some successes, some failures. Uh, but I think there's enough upside here and we can shave a little money off the pick, use that for what I want to do at 52 coming up next. Um, and I also think like this, this system needs outfielders. Delauder, if he works out, should move fairly quickly. Um, and the upside, like, again, the upside here is pretty sky high, right? Like, it's a real roll of the dice. Yeah. Maybe he can't hit because it's a small college conference, et cetera. But if it works out, you got speed, power, hit. Uh, I don't know that you want him in center, but you could probably hack it. Well, Ken also chose to loiter, so that's two down. Look at us being efficient. <laughs> and ironically, my second round pick was Brock Porter, your first round pick. So uh, excellent. We're, don't we're need rock. to go into too much detail there. Well, Thomas, you're the odd man out here. Yeah, because I'm taking uh, Zach Nito, who's a shortstop from, um, I think it's Campbell. Yeah, Campbell University. So he's an interesting one. If you ever watch him swing, it's hilarious. So he has like an almost a full wind up with his leg before he swings. Yeah, so, what the hell? Yeah, it's but he, he so he's kind of an analytics darling type guy. Like he has really good exit velocities and he hits the ball hard almost every time up. So it's hard to argue. Obviously, he's playing against competition at Campbell University. He's not exactly uh, playing the, the best of the best over there. But still, it's a college hitter who's hitting the ball really hard. And he could he's probably going to stick at shortstop. He's a good defender. He has a good arm. He's a plus runner. So basically, I'm taking two college level bats to kind of have some fun at 52 and beyond, like kind of what Lucas is doing, where I also wouldn't mind if they take like a Lesko here and blow up their slot early and then kind of cheap out after. But I went for the other direction just because I don't trust the Mets to rehab a Tommy John surgery correctly because they haven't done that since uh, probably like the Vietnam War. So mm. like uh, it's just they, they're going to mess up Lesko and then it's a waste of it. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. that's really what I'm worried about if they do that, even though I would probably take him if I was a normal organization. But um, yeah, that's what I'm doing at. 14 to set up my pick at 52 basically quite like that and he's fun like i like that 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 leg kick is so hilarious to me it's like a softball batting stance almost i'm watching it now it is something else you know i don't know how he hits this one this reminds me a little bit and the profile is totally different but just because it's a analytics darling Shortstop, unheralded, relatively unheralded shortstop prospect with a weird ass swing makes me think of Trey Sweeney, who the Yankees yeah. <laughs> took last last year. Um, Sweeney, Sweeney, very, I think, a much more physical prospect than than Neto, but I mean, he's like four inches taller, and the he hasn't been great at uh, high A so far. Um, same idea, like analytic starling with a wonky ass swing that all the scouts hate, and I don't, I don't hate the gamble honestly, especially if you're saving some money. Did the Yankees save money on a, Sweeney? I think so. I don't think they went over slot on him, but also like he has a floor of being a good defender at shortstop mm-hmm. and a plus runner. Mm-hmm. So even if he can't really, even if all that that stuff he does at the plate can't translate, like. You could play him at short second and third probably and get a utility infielder out of it. Obviously, you don't want that at 14, but. It's so weird. I'm watching videos. Sometimes he has that 
that very large kicky swing. And then this other one is he's just doing a toe tap. I'm wondering why. Yeah, I mean, it's, maybe he's seeing that the ball's away. I don't know. I don't know. It's very interesting. He's such an interesting player that I almost want the Mets to have him in the system for that reason alone, <laughs> which is not the best reason to want to play. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like he's so unique that he would he would be someone that I'm interested in. Here's a problem, and it's kind of why I backed off Dylan Beavers going to the Mets. Um, I don't know that I trust them to fix swings because they certainly haven't. I don't know that Beatty's swing needs to be fixed, quote unquote, but his approach needs refinement, right? And they haven't done that. Yeah. The last time they really did that successfully was Pete Alonso. And at the same time, though, we're talking about, yeah, I don't trust them to rehab Tommy Johns. I don't trust them to fix swings. I don't trust them to do. You need they need to do something, right? At some <laughs> point. Um, so they do. They need to start. I know it's hard because Cohen just took over and Epler got hired in November, but they need to fix player development and they need to get on that. <laughs> they yeah. need to start figuring that shit out because otherwise well, we they're would, just going to have to we at some point you're going to have to call up players <laughs> even the Dodgers yeah, do it yeah. even the Dodgers have they'll spend million, $300 million on a on a roster but also Gavin Lux is their second baseman and he makes pre-arb money because you have to do that at some point well we were just talking about him before Alexander Ramirez he's made some improvements with his chase rate so maybe the ball is starting to get rolling in terms of pick, fixing player swings and such. All right. Um, what do we have to third round? Your 52nd pick. The slot value is basically $1.5 million. I forgot All to right. mention before the 14th round pick is, I mean, excuse me, the 14th overall pick, the slot value is $4.2 million. So this one's definitely outlandish. I would put the probability of this happening this late in the draft extremely low, but I put Noah Schultz down here. Um, I mentioned, I've mentioned Noah Schultz a couple times on the podcast, Uh, big, tall, lanky lefty with impressive control of his levers, impressive uh, control of where the ball's going. Uh, His fastball velocity has improved. Uh, His sweet, he's got a very sweepy slider, which is in vogue now and it gets 3000 RPMs. Um, the dude's 6'9 and 225 and can touch 98 from the left side. That's pretty crazy. Now, I he was getting a little bit of first-round buzz maybe four to six weeks ago, and it's kind of fallen down the boards. My read on that, and this is based from no inside information, is that his commitment to Vanderbilt is pretty strong. And yeah, that's what I would to, assume, too. Like, they're going to need to give him a bunch of money. I think the Mets could pull off giving him a bunch of money, right? If you can get Porter at slot and then save a little bit on DeLauder, and we're going to save with my next guy as well. I don't hate if they – like, I really, really like Schultz. If you're cutting through the rest of the first 10 rounds to fit Schultz in, I'd 100% do that. I think the upside is sky high. I also know I've doubled up on prep arms. I don't really care. Uh, I really like both Porter and Schultz. Um, so that's what I'd like the Mets to try to do here with their – I think that this is their second round pick. Um, hey, I mean, he's a premium talent, but obviously premium talents are going to cost money. But if the Mets manage to somehow manage this, uh, I would be I would not be upset. I'd be very happy. I mean, I, he's, basically, yeah, be he's basically Randy Johnson, right? So 
Yeah, if he if he works out, it's that sort of frame. And I'm not saying he'll be Randy Johnson, but there aren't a lot of guys with levers this long that have as much uh, pitchability as he does. Right. Most times you see prep guys with this size or stature and it's just like, I don't know where this ball is going. Might go right down. that might hit the corner, might hit the barn in the town next to, next town over. I don't know. Well, those those Vandy commits are uh, tough. Yeah. Yeah. And the last time the Mets drafted someone with a Vanderbilt connection, it didn't really. <laughs> I hadn't even considered that. Oh, shit. <laughs> didn't really go over too well. But I mean, this guy's pre Vandy, not post Vandy. So, I mean, maybe that's good. I don't know. But that's true. Yeah. Uh, Thomas. Who did you pick? Well, actually, you know what? Let me just do Ken's real quick. Um, with the, with his pick, Ken wanted to see Landon Sims drafted. He was a that's a fun one. Yeah, mm-hmm. college pitcher. Um, uh, one of many who had Tommy John surgery earlier in the season. So, not uh, you know, I, I feel like he had it in like March, I believe. Like his yeah, it was really started. early. Yeah, it was really early. He barely. But I mean. When when healthy, you know, his fastball sits in the mid to high 90s, can touch 100. He throws a devastating slider, you know, just the, the um, a good frame for starting pitchers, you know, just uh, the whole package. But obviously he's on the DL now, so won't see him, whoever does draft him for, you know, quite a while. But definitely when healthy would have been a top first half guy. Yeah, he would have went in the first round. Thomas, I want to interject with a comment about your last pick. I've been watching mm-hmm. this uh, t- video, YouTube video of a 29-game hitting streak. Uh, I've noticed he has some 80-grade pimp jobs. Uh, yes. Push him yes. up the draft board. He knows how to pimp <laughs> this shit. Love it. He's just kind of fun. Yeah. You know? like, really. He's got some like what very clat like bat flips that are good without a ton of height it's like yes this is nailing the art form very good excellent all right well thomas who's your third round guy my third Mark, round guy your, I'm your, also, your second your second well, round guy yeah. third pick sorry yes got you at 52 so yep. at 52 if i'm the mets here and i've taken two college bats which won't break the bank obviously you're probably doing slot for both um i would go walter ford here at 52 and uh, oh, Walter like Ford this. is a young pitcher. He's 17 out of Florida. He has an Alabama commit, so I don't think you're ne- necessarily too concerned about buying him out of that. And um, he has a good fastball and a good curveball at his age already. The other stuff is coming along. It's There's a lot of inconsistencies with his game in terms of throwing strikes. And uh, he's a little he's just inconsistent, which is why he's going to Alabama and not going to Vanderbilt or a bigger school, obviously. But um. Still, it's one of those things where you could buy him out of that easy and you already have a baseline level, like good stuff that he has and you got to figure out the rest of it. And at 17, that's a young kid to mold. And there's a lot that you could do with that. Mm-hmm. And that's also that's also using your first round picks for like, hey, these are kind of safer and kind of like I would kind of be surprised if both guys aren't good ish prospects, even if they're not all star level prospects, they'll probably be fine. Like Ford could be a guy who pops and is like your top prospect in three years you know what i mean mm-hmm. like because of the stuff is already pretty good and interesting and the other stuff is coming along and he's throw he's like throwing topping out at 90 uh 
he's he's topping out at 97 at 17 years old in high school you know so there's a lot to get excited about for that i really love this thomas i thought about mentioning him as an alternative to schultz who might be cheaper i think this is yeah schultz would be cheaper for sure and no no i think think ford will be cheaper than schultz Oh, oh, got you, got you, got you. Right. Yeah, yeah, probably. Even so, even way, like either way, I don't think it'll be within. It'll be close enough where it doesn't really matter. Like you're mm-hmm. you're spending the money to get a high school guy at 52 when he probably should either go to college or not be drafted. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what I'd be doing. Um, if I was the Mets for those through the th- first three picks. He's a good pick. I like his delivery. He's very Bronson Arroyo esque. His leg kick yeah. is very. Oh, I never, yeah. I didn't make that connection. Yeah, I see it. It's not as crazy, but I like I, any player that has a high leg kick, I approve of. Bronson Arroyo had some hella flex. I just said hella. I hate myself. Um, <laughs> flexible hamstrings, man. Like he was like thirty. Yeah, I don't know how he didn't s- pop one. <laughs> he was like yeah. thirty-eight and still doing that same thing. Like Heep! I can't even do it like halfway up. It's pretty pathetic. <laughs> I don't know how he didn't pop one by accident, like p- mid pitch. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he's really trying to ramp one up so he like does an extra high leg kick and he's <laughs> <laughs> um oops i lost my place here here we go 52 so my selection with the mets third pick second round is going to be florida state left-hander Hunter barco the mets drafted him in 2019 as a fallback option in case matthew allen didn't sign and that all went sideways huh, but imagine that luckily imagine everything worked out. a fallback option wow well, apparently the mets don't do that i don't know whatever what, man. What, what's this concept <laughs> i'm not familiar but uh barco went to college his track record really isn't too long because obviously you know 2020 the season was canceled and then unfortunately he had tommy john surgery midway through the season this year so he really only has like a season and a half under his belt, but when he when he has been able to pitch, he's been pretty well. He pitched pretty well. He has a cumulative 318 ERA in 152.2 innings in Florida, 122 hits allowed, 2.5 walks per nine, and 11.1 strikeouts per nine. And this year he posted a 250 ERA in 50 innings with slightly better peripherals, fewer walks and more strikeouts. And he was moving up the draft boards. Um, originally he was projected to be like a second or third round guy, but then obviously, you know, Tommy John in May, that stopped that dead. But when he's on, Barco's good. You know, the fastball sits low to mid nineties from the left side. He gets deception and it has movement. His slider is above average. It has really, really sweepy break. And the changeup is a serviceable third pitch, you know, but that's why he is in the minors and not in the majors. Um, mechanics kind of make it hard to pick up the ball. They're like Madison Bumgarner-ish. Um, but on the negative side there, when he gets out of sync, you know, if he gets out of sync, that's, it's easy to lose your release point. But the Mets were fine drafting JT Ginn in this exact spot, actually, in 2020. Ginn was the 52nd pick, ironically, also overall. So, uh, they went over slot for him. I don't think that Barco is going to need to go over slot, or if he is, it's not going to be particularly much. Ginn was like a million over. I don't think Barco is going to be that much, but I think it's a solid investment for, you know, what you'd be getting over here in this spot right here. Plus, since they drafted him already, that's less work for me to have to do writing stuff. (laughs) (laughs) It's also less work. The Mets love drafting guys twice. 
the uh, Carlo Cortez, the, the Carlos Cortez uh, path yeah. to the Mets organization. If only they did that with Shane McClanahan. <sighs> Damn. Mm-hmm. I forgot they drafted McClanahan. <laughs> I forgot about that too. Mm-hmm. I'll admit I don't like this one for many of the same reasons I didn't like the Gin pick. Uh, I think if you're taking an injured guy, he should have more upside than I think Barco or Gin had. Um, but that's just me. I understand ones, why you're rolling the dice on this, though. So. The ones with that kind of upside are still going to be getting drafted in, like, the first and supplementary rounds. Like the Yeah, that's the thing. I think they're gone. Right. Yeah. I know. I understand. Sims. But I think there are other guys with this level of upside who are healthy. Yeah. No, no. That's true. Do not disagree. All right. And now the last pick, which is going to be the compensation pick for uh, Michael, oh, excuse me, not Michael Conforto, Noah Syndergaard going to the Angels. And that's the 75th pick overall. And that comes with a price tag slot value of basically $875,000. So, Lucas, who will you be picking? So I have got a funner one here. I'm going to go with Trey Dombrowski. So Dombrowski is a left-hand pitcher from Monmouth. I, the town I grew up or the county I grew up in in New Jersey. Uh, so his numbers at Monmouth are, are frankly kind of ludicrous, right? 120 to 14 strikeout to walk ratio in 95 innings. <laughs> um, at the Co- Cape Cod League last summer, he had an ERA of 0.85, 45 strikeouts to two walks in 31 two-thirds innings. Uh, pre- that's uh, pretty good, you know, uh, 45 to two strikeout to walk ratio. Um Definitely a guy who's more pitchability over super impressive stuff. He hits, sits high 80s, low 90s. Um, but the control might legitimately be a 70. He, the mechanics are very clean and repeatable. Um, nice. I really like the shape of his slider, actually. And I think it could work against both side hitters. Um, so uh, also, this is... All of this said, I think there's some upside here, but this is also going to be an underslot, right? This is maybe a round or two reach. Um, but I think at least my philosophy when reaching uh, to save money is you go to the uh, less less scouted schools or less heralded schools because there's more chance of stumbling upon something really good there, right? It's harder if you reach for someone well, let's put it this way, right? If you're reaching for someone from the SEC, I, I generally trust the consensus scouting boards to say, no, this guy should be drafted in the sixth based on whatever reasons. The consensus scouting boards are going to be less accurate for someone like this who's pitching in at Monmouth. I don't even know what, what conference that is in, right? So yeah. just because there's fewer eyes on him and there's a wider variance of the talent he's facing. Um, so there's some ingredients here that I like, and it fits the mold of what I would like to see in a in an underslot pit. And if you can use some of this money for Schultz and, and so on, I think this is a nice bet. And if he works out, he should move fast. And the Mets need uh, some upper minors pitching depth, that's for sure. Yes, yes, they do. <laughs> the, the last time, I mean, I might be wrong. I might just not be remembering someone. But the last time a player was drafted from the Jersey Shore, he turned out to be like a complete douchebag. So are you willing to draft a dirtbag <laughs> if... if uh, 
Dombrowski turns I, I don't know if he's from the Jersey Shore, but uh, I mean, I'll, I'll roll the dice, honestly. Monmouth, whatever. Monmouth is close enough. It's Right, but I don't know if he's like from the area originally or if he just oh, went to school. Yeah. That's, um, true. That's true. Have there been any MLB players from Monmouth? Emily I was going to ask that. I cannot imagine. <laughs> now, there is that one random NFL wide receiver who was on the Cowboys for years, Miles something or other. Um, Austin? Yeah, that Miles might Austin, did he go to Monmouth? Uh, no, I, I think he was a small school guy. Yes. Miles Austin. Monmouth, yes. Miles Austin was the one who went here because he was like a random guy who was suddenly the Cowboys' number one receiver for a couple of years. Um, anyway, Let's Monmouth see. University. They're Brad at three. Roth, and yep. Pat Light. And then if we go further oh. back, Ed Halicki. But Brad Brock, Brock is a former Met. There we go. Yep. Let's see. Players born in Monmouth. Well, is Monmouth a... I know it's a county. Is it also a... It's a county. A, okay, so it's not going to be like... What are some cities? Tom's River. Colts Neck. I mean, Tom oh, Fra- Tom. Tom's River is in Monmouth. Oh, Tom Fra- Tom's River. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Let me double if I if Jared hears me get this wrong. Uh, Tom's River because Jared is also from Monmouth County. Yes, Tom's River is in Monmouth County, so yes, uh, that that counts. Thomas. What about Dadmouth County though? Who who's from there? Ha ha ha! It's Mon, not Mom, <laughs> but I got it. I know, yes. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, all, right. all right. Well, uh, with Ken's pick, he is going with Robert Moore second baseman from the University of Arkansas and the son, the genetic spawn of Dayton Moore. The genetic spawn. <laughs> okay. Dayton Moore. I'm also what? going with the genetic spawn of, Day- of Dayton Moore. So. Uh, mostly, I wonder if we have the same reasoning. I'm pretty sure we do, but he was like uh, Moore had a good college career up until this year where he was randomly not good. Uh, so it's for me, it's kind of like identifying a target who probably should be a round or two higher if he continued to hit the way he did. Or it was really hitting because he hit like 230 last year or this year, rather. Um, but, yeah, it's just kind of buying low on that, like kind of hoping that that was a fluke and whatever. Ha- maybe he was hurt. Maybe something happened. You, n- you, you never know. People slump. Obviously, it's not good to hit 230 in the in college. It's very uh, scary because then you have to go to a wooden bat and better competition. But still, he's a switch hitter. He's a good defender. He's fast. He's athletic. So there's still a basis of an interesting uh, base there. But also, if he ends up that was just kind of a fluke and it was a bad season, then you kind of get a second or third round pick in the fourth round. And if not, it's a fourth round pick in the in baseball. Who cares? <laughs> Don't hate it. It makes me think of uh, Ken's guy from last year, uh, Adrian Del Castillo, who was supposed to yes. go in the top 10 and fell all the way down to the third with the Diamondbacks, mm. I think. And he has been bad for high A. Uh, I was oh, I'm sure. Like, I was hoping he'd be good and I could make this a positive spin. So, well, shit. <laughs> like, chances are he's he's letting you know what he is and he's probably just bad. But also uh, at, at, at 72 and... I know this is like lazy, but there's so much of that board that we won't know until that day. Mm-hmm. Us sitting here now, like you never yeah. really know what type of high school guys are going to be around and stuff like that. So I just went with someone who I could see kind of you getting a rebound from and benefiting, like kind of getting a second round pick in the fourth or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, to put things in context, when we were first doing our, you know, 
looks at the draft and the very, very earliest mock drafts are coming out. Moore was a guy that was being mocked in the first round. He's yeah, he was. Like, it was crazy. It's, yeah, it's not like he, you know, is a guy that just kind of is like whatever. Like he was a legit talent and was considered, you know, one of the premium guys in the draft. And he just he played that bad <laughs> that his stock really yeah. did crater. But it is a exactly. rebound, like you're saying. It's it's kind of it. just betting on things being fluky mm-hmm. and not betting on an actual him falling apart. It's going to make a joke about drafting him and immediately trading him to the Royals for something, but I don't think the Royals have literally anything I want to <laughs> trade for, which is the problem. I don't think I don't want Andrew Pen, Benintendi in his 370 BABIP. No, thank you. I was about to say, I don't think I know a single player who's even on the Royals. Whit Merrifield has fallen off a cliff. Andrew Benintendi, yeah. they're not going to move Whit or Melendez. Hunter Dozier's Vinny Pasquatino. I love Vinny Pasquantino, but that's oh, not going to yeah, happen. That's true. That's true. I Pasquantino. love Pasquantino. Um, their bullpen is just garbage. Zach Greinke. I love me some Zach Oh, yeah, Greinke, Zach Greinke. He doesn't want to play in New York, and they're not going to trade him anyway. Oof. I can't see Zach Greinke being a good fit for New York, no. No, no, no. He probably just wants to retire a Royal and call it a day. That's yeah. why I'm assuming he went back. He is striking out fewer than uh, four and a half batters per nine. So I do not – I love Zach Greinke. I think he goes to the Hall of Fame. I do not want Zach Greinke on the 2022 Mets. He's having a pretty good season, though, isn't he? Aside from the low strikeout numbers, it's decent. His ERA right? is almost five. Oh, shit. Okay, never mind. I thought it was much better than it actually is. Mm. Well, yep. All right. Um. So with my 75th overall pick, compensation, I'm going to pick Clemson third baseman Max Wagner. He was a bench player last season and even at the beginning of this year, but he made some changes to his swing over the summer last year when he was playing in the Northwoods League and turned him basically into one of the best sluggers in all of NCAA baseball this year. He hit 370, 469, 852 with 27 homers, and that was tied for most in the ACC and third most in all of uh, NCAA baseball. He doesn't completely sell it for power, which I like. He drew 45 walks and only struck out 51 times. Um, and his sudden power isn't like a, a complete David Thompson situation because he did well in Northwoods League with a wood bat. So some of that power is legit. Um, he doesn't really stand out too much at third base defensively, but he's not poor either. I think that a Beatty comparison is pretty spot on in terms of offense and defense. You know, Beatty is a a better third baseman than I think a lot of us give him credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's not bad, but he's not good either. And mm-hmm. I feel like Wagner's is the same. Beatty does have the power potential. Um, he's not really showing. He's starting to show a little bit more of it. But I think we all agree that we wish he would show more. You know, and, and Wagner has shown. Um, well, he's shown a shit ton of power. He is a draft eligible sophomore. So I'm not really sure about his signability. Um, you know, if the gains that he made this season are legit, he can go back to school next year, possibly dominate again and then get drafted way higher and signed for way more money. But, you know, with with the guys that I've picked and possibly guys that are selected further down, they could trim some bonuses, save some money and hopefully possibly sign Wagner. That's an interesting one. I feel I feel like that's like kind of trying to get 
out in front of someone who, like you said, if they go back to school, could really fly up draft boards. And then it's like, where'd this guy come from? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I, I could see it. I see the appeal. I never know what to make of these non-elite corner college bats. Yeah. It's a, like, obviously worked with P. Alonso, so. Right. I mean, that was somebody that I thought of immediately when I was reading, when I was looking at guys and I saw him. He's P. Alonso at third base. Mm-hmm. Look, you could do a lot worse with, with this pick, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, any of the guys that were selected that that we have gone over, I would not be upset with any of them. I feel like the guy I think every, like, every single person we selected would be in the top ten of the yeah. system. Oh, yeah, definitely. Let me see. I'm looking at my list. Uh... Porter would be three. The Lauder would be four. Schultz would be five because I don't like Mauricio. So yeah, three, four, five <laughs> with the top three picks. I mean, keep in mind like our the top of the the top of the uh, top prospect list was kind of thin to begin with, especially you know after you got past the first couple of players, and then add to that, JT again was traded. Khalil he was six. Khalil Lee, who was seven, um, I don't think that he's going to be in the top ten next season based on his performance. Nick Plummer, same thing. And then some of the guys that were on the periphery of the ten, you know, Jalen Palmer was was ten. Hayden Sanger was yeah. eleven. Jake Mangum was fourteen. I don't think that these guys, you know, Adam Aller is fifteen. I don't think these guys can be sniffing ten next year. So no. Like Alex Ramirez moves up and like yeah, a Alex Ramirez Jun- is going to move up. Like, Hillian makes the list and like Joel Diaz and like, you know, what I mean, like the real young dudes. <laughs> we gotta right. But the, you're right. They'll be the top 10 is going to have one, two, three, four. I mean, if you take yeah. Ginn out, you take Lee out, you take Plummer out and you take Palmer out. They're going to have four. I mean, that's literally these four. That's that's these four picks right here, regardless of basically who who gets selected. Yeah, unless they like go totally. Stupid. Right, right, right. Which he's hoping they're not. So yeah, I alternatively, mean, uh, just blow up the draft and take Drew Jones and promise him a million billion dollars. Yeah, I mean that would be a good strategy. I would not complain. That would be a fun podcast next week. If I'm trying to remember, we were we were pretty elated when. The Mets signed Kumar Rock. Well, excuse me. When the Mets drafted Kumar Rocker, just because of how improbable it was, and we were assuming that yeah, there were issues, but the Mets knew about the issues and they were fine with the issues and everything would get worked out. If if they were able to do <laughs> something legit, like like floating a guy like Drew, Drew, uh, that would be that would be interesting. That would be that would be fun. But it's not happening. We're the Mets. All right. So if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you can send us emails at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Seiper. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at Ken1191. Thomas is at Sad Mets Season SZN. 
Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Rate and review it. And of course, we thank you for listening. And we will be back next week on on really like a live live stream of the draft. We'll be recording as the draft is happening. So you're going to get raw emotions. Good. Hopefully more good than bad. But uh, until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets.